Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Monday, the 19th of December. I'm Andrew Gagan, good to have you with us. And our two experts on today's show, Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor and Nathan Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Welcome to both of you, the last week before Christmas. Last week, looking forward In to In fact, Andrew. you're already on holidays. What's <laughs> yeah, going on? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got uh, roped in by, by Jack, the producer. <laughs> yeah, he bamboozled me with his mm-hmm. wizardry. But even when you're on holidays, you still, you've got to be active, haven't you? I don't think you do. I actually no? think a break is a really good idea. And I try and, and take one um, every year. Um, but, I, you know, I, th- I think anyone who does this game um, for a long time ends up really loving it. So a, a break from in- investing is really just a weekend. Um, and then you're back onto it. Yeah. <laughs> you, can only, remember, you can only do one or two days at best. The last then you time get sucked I, back in. The last time I took a long break, I, I missed it so much. I was just racing to get back to work. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't wait to come back. Um, so weekend is fine. Anything more than that, maybe a bit too much. Yeah, do you feel the same way, mate? Ah, it, it's, a, it's a matter of hours. Uh, I mean, <laughs> really? I go, you cannot drag I yourself away. You wake up in the morning and... and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I sit up and watch the US market open. Yeah. I go to sleep and uh, I'm up before the US market closes and, you know, catching up then. and It's like a drive. So, so what's your expectation over the next couple of weeks? Of course, you know, we see the States, they only take a couple of days off anyway. Whereas here, <laughs> it's like you're not back until the end of January, really, are you? Yeah. But I mean, the market carries on. So, sure. you know, what, what do you need to do? do you, how active do you need to be? I think you've got to, it's tough to make a call on what's going to happen in the next week. But historically, you get dividends getting paid in the local market. That tends to boost the local market. US has got the tax season, so you get people selling out of the bad stocks and buying the good stocks, so you get a bit of a boost out of that. So generally, it's positive uh, for that week between Christmas to New Year's and to early New Year. So you get about a week or two the way that plays out. But it's a unique situation because the market ran up in uh, October and November Mm. on the Fed pivot. Now we just had Fed and ECB confirm that there's nothing happening. Yeah. So that's been the negative side. And then you look at what's happening in with the option expiry. We had a massive op- option expiry week last week. So market tends to be a bit weaker after that. So we're in this weird cycle where the macro is negative for the next couple of weeks, if not into the next year. Hmm. Uh, but the short term cycle is positive with money coming in. So it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. My guess is one cancels each other out. So generally, the market would just hold up. Right, we go nowhere. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what I think. All right, well, uh, let's get into the stocks we're going to be looking at in the first half. Uh, Symbio Holdings, Lendlease, PPK Group, IGO, and Infratil. And our stock of the day is Newcrest Mining, the, uh, the biggest uh, producer, uh, gold producer in Australia, the chief executive. Sandeep Biswas has announced his retirement. That's after eight years in the top job. Uh, therefore triggering a leadership reshuffle. The current CFO, Sherry Du, has been appointed as interim chief executive, effective immediately with Dan O'Connell, the current group treasurer promoted. 
to the interim CFO position. So it's um, taking a look at the, uh, the share price there. In fact, um, just looking at what's going on today with uh, gold stocks, they are all up significantly, except <laughs> your crest. Uh, well, goes to show. I mean, when you got when you got that uh, movement at the, at the top, mm. particularly given um, he has had such a firm hand on the mm. tiller there. Yeah. So, Nathan, I mean, how, how significant is that mo- that move? Ah, uh, it's it's classic Nikres, right? Yeah. When everything is working, everything in the sector is going up. Yeah. Nikres will come up with something. It's it's always it's like it up. I've been yeah. telling myself every week. I'm going. They're going to do something. They're going to do something, and they've done something. Um, oh God. I think he's had a pretty good run. He's he's held up pretty well. This used to be, you know, once every four to six months a blow up coming. I think that's less of you know while he's been in in the last few years that's been relatively better. Uh, given that Osmin has disappeared, um, Newcrest comes up as a pretty big copper player. Uh, there isn't a lot of copper plays left. So you know when people start getting excited about Sandfire, which used to be every you know the hated copper stock, um, you kind of know that the thematic is positive. Funnily enough, gold is outperforming copper, so go figure. So I think Newcrest is in a pretty good spot. I, I don't think this is a huge risk, but the market will be a bit more circumspect given what's happening in the macro. I mean, this is no elders change. I mean, the elders got smacked 20% when the CEO announced that he'll leave in a year. Mm. Um, so you can see the difference. But look, the market's worried about everything at the moment. So any kind of uncertainty, the market is trying to sell out. I think Nikris is good. I think it's a recovery cycle on the commodity prices. The two main commodities are doing relatively well. I think the longer term thematic over the next year or so should be positive for them. So yeah, look, it's not one I want to be positive on, but the thematic works. So I think Nikris does well. I think yes, there is going to be uncertainty attached to this. But I think, you know, last couple of years compared to what was before where they used to have these blow ups all the time. um, I think it's been better. I think hopefully, Oh, we've seen the worst and things are going to improve. So I think Newcrest goes from here. Yeah, it's a big play. So the index buyers will buy into it. Yep. So that's the other upside to Newcrest. So if you look at the stocks that have done well with the index play, Northern Star and Newcrest have been the best performers. So yeah, I think it, it, it does good, but short term, yeah, the market's going to worry. So is that a, a hold or a buy? Oh, for me, the sector is a buy. We're right. positive on most of this. Yeah, place, that's the whole sector. Positive. So... Yeah. I think but, Newcrest, but, but you're saying Newcrest is not your favourite pick. Yeah. It is not, but actually yeah. it's, it comes up in our model. So yeah. because of the size, so you're going for the big guys and Newcrest offers that copper play and copper is seriously undervalued at the moment yeah. and there isn't a lot of options. So I think that puts it another tick. So I think Newcrest is a buy here. So, so your top gold pick then? <sighs> That's a tricky one. So things have run. So we used to like gold, gold road, but it's outperformed everything quite mm. a bit. Um, and then you like Northern Star, it's the biggest, but it's also had a pretty decent run. Probably the underperformers, the next level is probably Silver Lake and uh, Regis. And, and I think the valuation probably supports them. So I think when the tide's going up, all ships go up. So I'm looking at the guys who are underperforming and to play catch up. So yep. I'd probably look at Silver Lake and Regis. Okay, all right. Gaurav, um, how much do you like gold at the moment? And uh, to that point, Where's New Crest fit into that picture? I, I don't really take thematic views the way Maeth does. So, um, but I, I will say that gold appears to be very out of favour, and gold miners themselves are actually handling themselves reasonably well. They've got a tough inflation environment. Um, I think I explained um, last time I was on that, that there's nowhere to hide from inflation with gold because you're moving so much dirt in comparison to valuable material. 
uh, that small increases in costs reverberate across that production chain and they have a really big impact on the bottom line. But most of the Goldies are actually performing reasonably well with, with those um, inflation pressures in mind. Um, they are run by CFOs now. They produce um, good free cash flows. Capital allocation is just night and day different to what it was 10 years ago. And these are mostly good businesses now. You can buy them um, as good cash flow machines, regardless of your view on, on gold. Um, and that transformation has been led by Evolution and Northern Star. I think Evolution remains the pick for me, just because it has best in class management. It doesn't have the best assets in the industry, but um, I think um, the deal making potential and also the free cash flow per ounce is, is really attractive out of there. Gold Road remains a favorite as well. Excellent free cash flow and, and probably the best in class exploration upside. Um, the DeGray is, is, the, is the one that I've been thinking about a little bit. Um, Gold Road owns a, a piece of DeGray the deposit that they're forming up now is quite spectacular. Uh, you don't get 10 million ounce deposits um, very often, probably once a decade type discoveries, and, and they've got one, and it looks really good. I think there's going to be a battle over that. So if you're looking for a spec, go there. I would stay away from Newcrest. Newcrest mm. is technically, analysts love Newcrest because it, it is a technically amazing miner. The, the, the technical ability of, of this company is phenomenal. They operate the most complex ore bodies in the world. Lahir is the most complex ore body, gold ore body I think I've ever seen. Um, uh, refractory gold, which means it's chemically bonded to the rock in, inside, so you need uh, multiple processes to release the gold inside an active volcano inside Papua New Guinea off the mainland. Like, come on, it's, it, it, it can't get more challenging than that. And yet they do it. Um, Telfer, in the middle of nowhere in, double, in WA, again, tough refractory ore, with no power anywhere, they built a gas pipeline, they get it done. Cadia, block caving. They came to Cadia knowing nothing about block caving. They mastered, maybe the best block cavers in the world now. Block caving is when you mine um, upside down. You go underground and you explode from the bottom of, of the ore and let it all fall down. It's, yeah. it's technically quite demanding. Um, so these guys, I, I love following them. I love reading them because they're so technically wonderful, but just they just love complexity. I almost think it's a bunch of engineers and scientists running this show and they, they think there's extra points for complexity and they chase complex ore bodies and guys, there's not. There's not extra points for complexity. Um, if I was running Newcrest, I would split this company up. I would keep Cadia and, and maybe some of their P&G assets and I would sell the, the complex ore bodies, including Lahir, sell it, get rid of it, yeah. focus on your, um, your simple ore bodies and then use the cash flow to buy simple ore bodies. Um, I reckon they missed a trick by not buying Saracen. They would have had 50% of that, um, uh, the, the super pit, um, and they missed a trick um, by maybe letting Tropicana go to someone else. There's, there's options it, for them. Is anyone if they're out too there easy, they don't like it. They actually like Lahir. No one, no one wants them to own Lahir. <laughs> exactly. Lahir is the fourth biggest gold mine in the world. It makes their reserve profile look really good, and I suspect that's the reason they want it. But a, a troubled miner, I, I admire them a lot for their technic, technical competence, yep. but I would never buy them. Okay, so I'll, th I'll throw one in for you. Yeah. yeah. Evolution. Supposedly, a very good gold analyst is about to move across. Yeah, yeah, Rocky's gone. <laughs> to Evolution. So that tells you something about I it. think it does. I think it does. But Jay Klein, the team at Evolution, I, I think is the best uh, management team in the industry, and, mm. and that's the, will be my pick. All right. Goals, okay. Yeah. So that's a no from you. Then. That's a that's an unfortunate. No. I want to like it a lot, but I just can't. <laughs> you can't <laughs> help yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're not convincing us. All right. 
Let's uh, get into the stocks as picked by you. And uh, the first one, Sanwella, uh, would like both Gaurav and Nathan's opinion on Symbio, which is what business telco software. Um, Gaurav, go for it. Yeah, Symbio. It, it's a really interesting suggestion, actually. I haven't looked at this in a long time. The last time I looked at Symbio, it was called My Netphone. Do you remember that? Um, it's got a fantastic CEO in charge, and he's run the business through um, multiple iterations. So they, they were doing kind of um, software as my, um, my um, what's it called? My, my, net, my, net phone, my net phone. As my net phone. And now with Symbio, they've really pivoted more to voice. So they actually provide um, sort of digital, um, they, they connect the, the Telstra backend, like the, the hardware backend to the, um, to the software core at the enterprise. Um, and they generate phone numbers and it's really become a voice business. And there's only a handful of companies that do that in Australia, but um, these guys are one of them. They have a good market share. I don't think it's a terrifically profitable little niche. Um, well, and you look at their share price, that's been horrible this year. Well, you know, a lot of tech stocks, have, I wouldn't worry about their share price too much. I, I think directionally, where the company is going is, is looking quite attractive. Their performance has been quite attractive. The strategy is risky because it involves um, Asian expansion, which rightly terrifies investors and they're not willing to pay for it. So there is a potential opportunity here. If you're a risk-taking um, investor, you can probably nibble at this one a little bit. I, I think it's interesting. Uh, for me, I don't own it, and, and we don't own it at Intelligent Investor, never recommended it, simply because um, I, I think Aussie Broadband is a superior business with superior prospects at just a cheap valuation. So I'm not sure why you'd buy this one over Aussie Broadband, um, but for me, um, ABB is, is the clear pick out of these. And yep. these small telcos, it's probably not an area you want to overburden your portfolio with, so I'd only have a limited allocation to this area, and, and Aussie would be mine. Okay. Bye. I was waiting to see when he'll pull when, that when in. That, yeah. <laughs> he was going to pull that in. Um, mm. Oh, look, the telco space is interesting. Um, there isn't a lot of winners, um, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, and it's, it's been a been, tough space. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's Telstra, pretty much, and mm. Telstra just holding space. Um, and Telstra did what we wanted them to do, in go through a structural change, and that's put them in par, and I think it still holds up pretty well. Now, <clears throat> everyone else has underperformed. Um, everyone else is structurally being challenged and market does not know where their model sits. Um, and everyone's trying to you know, chase growth. And that comes with risk. Um, and I think a symbiote that kind of plays into that. Um, Aussie Broadband is a classic market darling. It was every small cap fundies preferred pick till it wasn't. And then everyone decided to get out. And it's happened through a number of those subtelcos. So it's a sector that I'm keeping an eye on, and we're long tel Telstra, and we've been there from 275 and we're still there. Same here. Um, and I, at this point, the numbers just don't give me confidence in any of the other players. Like, you know, I keep looking at TPG going, and then they seem to find problems and yeah. problems, and, and, and that's, the, that's the problem. You wanna look at these guys when they're getting that upgrade cycle kicking off, and at the moment, none of them are. I think Telstra is underestimated in this in this industry. Um, the change in strategy, um, the simplification of the plans, they've very quietly almost indexed their plans to CPI. So they're gonna have constant price, pro price increases um, um, coming in. And as the legacy customers transition to the new plans, I think mm. you're gonna see that ARPU rise from rise to about 60 bucks or maybe a, bit, a little bit higher. It, it, the economics look really sound at Telstra for the first time in 10, 12 years. Interesting to see too whether 
Optus's hack has seen any oh, look, particular yeah, turn there? I, I, I'm sure there will be. Mm. I, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think the investment case for Telstra is based on the implosion of Optus, although um, at take right, a point, it certainly worked for Vodafone, didn't it? Did, yeah. back did in it, the day. Didn't it? Yeah. Like almost everyone now has some form of um, a hack. hack. Everyone has a hack. Self-hack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. as well. <laughs> and and, and, then, and then this, the funny part is, I mean, I, I came out as an engineer, electrical engineer, mm. and all my friends moved into telco. Mm. And, you know, you learn a lot from how they're seeing things happening in Asia and so forth. And the first thing they said is, I don't know what people are worried about Optus, because every telco, mm. every large tech telco, uses outsources to smaller groups, and they have access to their databases uh, for a particular project. Okay. Yeah. And we're talking about decades, right? So people who were given access 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a lot of those ones sometimes don't get closed off, and they just stay alive for a long time. And mm. eventually someone bad gets access to it, yeah. and they use that uh, weapon and go through and do it. So. Every large organization has this backdoor problem. And yeah, you can, it sounds good to say, no, we do audit and all that. But in reality, it only becomes a problem when they get hacked. And unfortunately, this is going to happen more and more because they've got decades of history of building these uh, systems. Mm. And when they were originally doing these things, they weren't as secure. What they're doing now is a lot more secure. But you know, just the simple fact of banks, yeah, when you transfer money, um, they didn't use the phone as a secondary check to text you the number, get your ID. Guess what, now everyone's doing it. Yeah. They could have done it two years ago, they could have done it five years ago, but nobody did it. Mm. But now everyone's doing it. So I think things are improving, but those hacks from the past are going to haunt them, but I don't think it's a big deal. All right, so um, that is a... Where, where do we end, end up uh, where do we start? No, it's recommendations. <laughs> For me, I, I'm not moving into mm. any of the small telcos at the moment. That's a no. But yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting sector to keep an eye on. All right. Okay, Lee, we better pick up the pace yes. then. We've got bogged yes. down in telcos. <laughs> uh, all right, into Len Lease. Nice one, mate. Uh, Rob <laughs> wanted to know about this. Uh, it is in uh, what well, retail property management, asset management uh, across the globe. Uh, Rob wanted to know, it's had a lot of director buying recently. Is it worth buying at the moment or would you wait until the next anticipated leg down? in the general market, Nathan. Yeah, it's one where everyone is trying to pick the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the property cycle will weigh on them. There's going to be transition. I guess all these buildings, everyone's building in the city, upgrading. Eventually, they'll have to convert some of those offices into apartments. Um, all of those things are going to play out. Uh, and I think the viewer is right. I think you want to wait and see how the market plays out. I don't think this is going to suddenly turn around. The macro is quite tricky. Cost bases have gone up. Um, and I think things will slow down. So wait for the market pullback, this comes off, and when the market bottoms out, you don't have to be a hero. I think that's the time to jump back into this one. Uh, I like it when it's single digit, <laughs> and it's one of those stupid things, you always look at it when it's single digit, mm-hmm. and it's a single digit, but it's shocking single digit at the moment. Mm-hmm. So just wait for the market to bottom. If the market bounces 5% from the bottom, then buy into lend lease, and don't look at it till all the crap gets out, and I think there will be a bit of mess coming through. But look, two years, three years down the track, this should recover with the usual economic cycle. So yep. I would be looking at for the market cycle exactly what the viewer said. And when the market bounces, then I'll be looking at this stuff. Great. Awfully tempting, isn't it? Um, yeah, this is one uh, we owned, lost money on and sold. Um, it looked as though there was a turnaround happening. Uh, they had sold a problematic division. There was new management who came in. Um, and there was talk of actually selling um, some more problematic divisions, that retirement business. Um, and they've got a huge tender pipeline and uh, in the billions of dollars worth. 
So it's, I think it's $100 billion actually from, from memory, it's about $100 billion uh, pipeline. Um, and very few companies in the world can do the huge city scale projects that Lendlease can do. In fact, I think we're sitting in a Lendlease yeah. project at this very moment. Yes. Um, it should be better than what it is. Um, and the reason it isn't is just, um, it's, it's a difficult business to manage and uh, prior management hasn't been up to the task. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think Rob's suggestion is right. Um, it was clearly, I mean, we made the error and jumped in uh, too early, and I think it's still too early. It's okay to be patient with this. There is a there is a turnaround underway, and the signs are good so far that um, things are actually happening. The right steps are being taken. You know, you really want to see problematic business units sold. You want to see new management come in. You want to see the balance sheet repaired. And you want to see the beginnings of cash flow. And most of that stuff is actually happening. Um, in the AG, at the AGM, they, it, it did sound as though the, the, um, the macro is overwhelming all those company-specific positives at the moment. And I just think a business as, as problem-prone as this one and sensitive to interest rates, I would just be wait. I would just be patiently waiting for this one. Hold for now. But there is a turnaround underway. And at some point, um, I think this is going to be a buy. It looks awfully cheap. It's awfully hated. Those, that's a good starting point for, um, for a nice turnaround. So I'm going to say hold and be patient. All right. Bide your time then with Len Lease. All right. Let's move on to PPK Group. Uh, Anthony wanting to know about this. It is, what's about boron nitro, uh, nitride nanotubes? Um, they're supposedly, what, some 100 times uh, stronger than steel, but as light as carbon fibre. And uh, it has applications in aviation uh, automotive, aerospace, and the like. Great. Sounds incredible. I was actually hoping you'd go to Nathan first on this one. But, oh, well, I can if you like. Um, yeah. Well, I'm up, I don't have much to say about it, so I'll be very <laughs> brief. Um, it sounds incredible, doesn't it? Um, I just think a, a, a business like this, it, it's really always going to be a speculation. And um, who knows? Like my, my opinion here is completely useless and irrelevant. Um, and, and I think that so say that that's the truth for almost any opinion on on this particular stock. The outcome is very binary. It'll work or it won't. Um, and I don't think any of us have the expertise to decide what that answer will be. So um, I'm going to go with one of my favorite new answers, which is NFI. No freaking idea. No. Um, but you know, it, it's not a, it's not stupid. <laughs> you know, if it, if it works, I can see I can see how this could work. I would just say that management. There's a there's an odd promotionality in, in management. They're just you know they've spun off a few different things. They're always this is going to change the world. I don't know. It look it, I can't put my finger. On. This is not analytical at all. Mm. But just personally from a um, from years of experience, I just don't get a good feel. Um, it's not the kind of company I'd ever invest in. Um, but you know I, I don't think it's a dumb idea. I, you know this is uh, it, the product sounds amazing. There seems to be genuine scientific backing uh, for its success. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're comfortable with it, I'm not going to okay. you know, say no, but I, I, I wouldn't do it myself. So, Nathan, yeah. what's the problem with it then? I mean, we've seen the share price there. Makes no it's money. come up with the technology. Makes no yeah, money. What, what's that next step then, where no, it actually commercialises it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is the, I mean, about a year and a half ago, this was $21. That's mm. just, that's crazy. That yeah. is crazy. That, that, and yeah. I, I know the, oh, I used to work at a shop that did the actual initial the raising and all that. And the thing is, the things that you're talking about, the blue sky concept, it is massive, right? Mm. It's like we'll take over the world. Uh, you know, forget Musk. <laughs> we take over the world, mm. uh, and and in theory it can, but again, there's a lot of stocks that have that concept. It's a different thing. 
I always go back to the audio pixel. <laughs> you know, I'm that still thing. waiting for that. Uh, Wouldn't touch that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it, I think when I started back, uh, I don't know how many years, but uh, anyway, the, these things take a long time for the execution. So every time you get these blue sky stocks, the first run is as good as you're going to get. That's the steroid <laughs> run. When people are just getting excited about, I don't know where this could go. This could be the next biggest thing since sliced bread. And it went to 21 bucks and it's now at what, two bucks? Uh, or not, not even that. Um, so you've had a huge pullback. Um, oh, look, I love these blue sky st stuff. Yeah, you're you know. a sucker for it, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a sucker for it. But I have learned not to be the guy who goes in first. They've just done a cap raising. Yeah. Uh, so statistically speaking, they should be coming up with some story for it, a yeah. new package story. So I, I expect it's going to start to move a bit. But the thing that you got to remember is there's a lot of shareholders who've been there for a long time. They'll be flicking because they'll get the discounted shares. Yeah. So you'll have that weakness, market weakness. This is a highly speculative play. I would be waiting for the market traction. If the market starts to buy into the new strategy, then I would jump in with a bid and see how it goes. This is high risk play. This is not for the buy and hold strategy. You know what, I think more important than the yes, no decision is the how much decision. You know? oh, it's, it's, it, it you're putting in a bid. Yeah. You're only putting in a bid yep. and then see how it goes and then add more. Yep. So I'll stop because I think Andrew's already worried that we're yeah. waffling too much. Yeah, he's no, giving, he's okay. giving, you, the, giving so, you the look. So you're, you're <laughs> nibbling at it then? Yes, yeah. I would nibble at it a yeah. little bit and see how it goes for three to six months yep. and then add to it. Okay, all right, let's move on to IGO. Smithy wanting to know about this. It's sort of uh, what, it's got this lithium focus oh, no. with its joint venture partner, uh, Takani, um, but also nickel, cobalt, copper. And uh, look, there's a lot of movement in this space at the moment. In fact, uh, we've had Twiggy Forest bid, take over a bid for Mincor, uh, but IGO was seen as a potential rival there. But they're uh, also combining on the nickel processing in that plant south of Perth. Um, I'm sure you're going to be able to tell me more about what, the, what their plans are. But also, just as a company level too, they did lose their, uh, their chief executive uh, a couple of months ago, tragically. Uh, so change at the top. Look, this is a great stock. Um, I was a fan of it um, in, you know, I think for Osby's 2021, this was the stock pick for me. And it's had a great run. Sad to say that we got out uh, thinking that, oh, it's had a huge run. And then they bought into the lithium play and then mm -hmm. had another leg. Um, really well managed. Um, it was the default choice in the nickel play. Um, now it's basically your EV play, and it's probably one of the better managed uh, businesses. Um, good assets. They've taken over, I think, Western areas. That's added to the nickel play, um, and I think I think it's a great business. Um, nickel has done really well. I'm just worried in the short term. I think base metals have done really well. There's a lot of China optimism in the share price. And I think China, they, they would want to support the economy to stabilize, but I don't think they're gonna be shooting the lights out over the next three to six months. So I think there's gonna be a lot of weak numbers that are gonna go through the global economy. I think the EV numbers are going to struggle. You can see it through Tesla share price. I mean, apart from the Tesla Musk problem, uh, the, the overall thematic in the EV side has started to fade. So I think the share price will come off. Um, this is one you buy on the pullback. So this is one I'm definitely keeping an eye on. We are not in the EV play at the moment because we thought things were too hot. Um, a few brokers have come out and put sales on iron ore. They've put a sales on um, lithium stocks. So there's, mm. a, there's a bit of turning around in the sentiment. <clears throat> um, so I'm staying out of it, but- When you say buy the pullback, like to what point? Yeah, so this is, this is where for me, IGO, 
Um, I don't think it'll be a massive pullback. It'll mm-hmm. only come back a bit, yeah. but it's more the market sentiment. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, as previous um, um, viewer uh, said with Lendlease, I'm looking for the market pullback. When I think the market has stabilized, because I think there's a leg lower, this will be one I would be jumping in because the recovery cycle into 2023, and I expect one in late 2023, second half probably. Yep. And when that plays out, I think IGO will play a part in that. So for me, IGO is a high quality miner that I'm willing to back, mm-hmm. but it's just a question of when do you get in? I think you've got time. All right, go ahead. Yeah, management are sharp here. They've made a series of really good deals, um, which culminated in the best deal I've seen in probably three or four years, which was um, the essential swapping of uh, the stake in Tropicana, a, a big right. gold mine, for a 50% stake or just under of Green Bushes, which is the biggest, best, most profitable hard rock lithium mine in the world. With that Green Bushes acquisition came um, options for processing as well, which they're going to actually own part of the processing facility um, that's being built. So not only are they now a significant spodumene producer, but they will also be a significant hydroxide producer, which is exactly where you want to be. In my view, spodumene prices will fall, but it's, you want to be at the hydroxide end. You want to be at the processed end, um, and, and these guys are headed there. Yeah, I've been really impressed. Really, really sharp moves all yeah. along. You could, you could follow that chain five, six years back. Really good moves all along the way. Uh, bought Nova, the Nova mine. Probably paid a bit too much for it, but, but smart acquisition. Um, I'm, I've been impressed. Yeah, and, and credit to Nathan. He's, he's tried to tell me, and I haven't bought it, um, and uh, he's been he's Yeah, been but on that one. I got stupid. When it, you sold too yeah, soon. Two, yeah. three times, and we thought, oh, We've done yeah, well, yeah, yeah. and it's <clears throat> kept on going, kept on going. I, I would just, look, there's a lot of heat in lithium. Um, I'm yeah. certainly, everyone knows a story. There's, it's not exaggeration, it's, it's no lie. The world is changing, the EV revolution is here. Um, we need a lot of lithium, but there's a lot of people with a lot of cash looking for lithium. Lithium is abundant everywhere. We've only scratched, the problem is it's turning from a niche mining um, industry into a mass mining industry, and people, don't realize that the change, the step change in technology that will come from, um, for the first time in history, a mass amount of capital going into the um, evacuation and processing of lithium. Mm. It's for, for example, in, in, in South America, the, the brines that you get from South America, which make up 60% of global lithium production, only 30% um, rec- lithium recovery at the moment. Mm. Um, as we speak, there is um, technology underway that will, that will increase that to 90%. So all of a sudden you have a tripling of brine output without um, any new mine opening. That's a sort of step change in technology that mass capital can provide. So I'm not one of these people who thinks we're gonna be sure on lithium, that lithium prices are gonna be sky high forever. They will come down, technology will provide the way. In the meantime, this, this Minres and Pilbara, they're the three I've got on my list. And right. when I own Pilbara and won't sell, but as prices fall, um, Minres, IGO and Pilbara, probably in that order, that's probably where I go. So a hold. A, hold, a solid hold, yeah. good quality business, yeah. and keep it on your watch list, yeah. Alrighty. Okay, let's round out the first half then with uh, Infratil. And uh, Damien saying, you haven't covered this for a while. Um, is it possible to analyse it? Well, yes, it is. And sorry, we've been neglecting Infratil, which is that <laughs> New Zealand-based infrastructure investment company, uh, airports, healthcare. It's got its hands in a lot of things there at the moment. So, uh, Gaurav? Yeah, we, we own it in the fund, right. um, and I used to own it personally. I sold to fund my um, adventures in coal, um, 
but it's a it's a really high quality business and I think it gets forgotten about on the ASX because it is it is um, New Zealand mm. also because the accounting is diabolical and the value of this business is not apparent from going through the accounts. So if you're the kind of investor who only looks at um, the reported numbers, you're going to miss this completely and you've missed a multi-bag already. Um, and I think it's a good example of how you, you can't just filter stocks through you know, a very simplistic metrics and, and you need to actually dig deeper to get to what the real story is. Infratel has a long history of making fantastic acquisitions. At the moment, the best assets are CDC, which is the largest um, data center operator in Australia. Um, they own, uh, I think it's a 50% stake in that, but um, uh, they are, basically have a monopoly on government data centers. Um, if you're uh, a, a provider who wants to sell or do business with the government, you have to be in a CDC center. I think that business is completely misunderstood <laughs> inside Infratil. It's not, it's not fully valued inside Infratil. Um, the other thing they've done really well on is um, Vodafone New Zealand. They basically pay themselves a huge dividend by buying Vodafone New Zealand and stripping the, um, the towers out at a, at a stupid price. I don't know who paid that price, but it was dumb. But kudos to, to management for extracting it. And they are making good operational changes there. I think that's going to be another winner. Uh, this, is a, this is a hold for a long, long time. Uh, I don't think it's cheap enough to buy just yet. I, I reckon it's, it's a $10 stock. But for me, they, the, the problem with it is that it leaks so much in fees. The manager is a little investment house in New Zealand called Morrison, and that's where I want to put my money. I want to invest in Morrison. <laughs> they take $100 million a year out of this for managing Infratil, and they bring deals to the table. They're well-connected, um, but, um, but that's where a lot of the value gets leaked, and, and that's the negative side. So this is a hold, yep. but and a fantastic quality business, um, and, uh, and definitely in, in any sort of pullback, if you're a conservative investor or any kind of investor, this is a stock you should be looking at. Yeah, I have to give credit to Graf, which I don't want to do. Um, he actually picked this early and about the data centers and so forth. And I think it's interesting because we always say if it's a New Zealand tech stock, you've got to look at it, right? These guys are one of the lists that I would classify as a list of private equity play. They buy a lot of assets, they, you know, things that they throw out, and then they make it better and then they sell it. Now, the beauty of New Zealand is it's a small enough market that a lot of firms can test their technology there mm. and they build the infrastructure, they test it and then they take it outside to the rest of the world. And when they do that, they tend to sell out their assets and these guys buy, pump it up, and they get better returns. So they've done really well. It's tough to not like them. Um, and out of all the list of private equity, most of them have underperformed, except these except guys. This they continue yeah. to do well. Mm. And it's amazing. And that's why the, the, the insiders know it and they like it and they are holding it. And it's one where, you know, when people say, I want to pick a stock that I want to hold for 10 years, yep. 20 years. Yep. You buy these list of private equity guys because they can evolve. And Infratel is one of them. Uh, <clears throat> Gross, right. I, I don't think it's cheap, uh, but it's never going to be that cheap. Mm. But, jeez, oh, I don't want to keep repeating, but there's a leg down for the market. Mm. And hopefully, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping someone panics and throws this out because I want to buy it. Okay. So it is definitely one to buy. And I don't care what the price is. If the market bottoms, I'm buying this. Okay. So there you go. Once again, be patient. Yes. All right. Let's uh, sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. Our stock of the day was Newcrest, the uh, big gold with uh, copper there as well. Uh, it is a buy from uh, Mathan, but uh, a no from uh, Gaurav. Um, he wants the company to split up. Then he'd be interested. Uh, Evolution's his pick in that space. Um, Symbio was our next one. Gaurav's nibbling at it. 
Um, but it's a no from um, Nathan say just no winners in the telco sector at this point. Um, Lend lease waiting from uh, Nathan and uh, a hold. Uh, but uh, Gaurav recommends, uh, says it is, uh, acknowledges it's very cheap at this point, but uh, perhaps wait another couple of years before obviously the economy turns. Um, PPK Group, it's one of those binary outcomes, says Gaurav, um, and uh, in his words, he has no idea, so no recommendation. Uh, Nathan, uh, nibbling a little bit, it is very speculative, uh, huge potential, but they haven't realised that. Uh, IGO, in the uh, uh, nickel and copper and lithium space, uh, Nathan buying on a pullback and Gaurav is holding it essentially, and Infratil there, we just heard a hold from both. All right, now of course uh, we are tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So checking in on how it's going into December and the new year backcourt and dominoes were removed. Index and Denison Education were added, and Elders weighting was increased. So, in terms of performance, uh, so far up six and a quarter percent on a cumulative return basis since the beginning of March. So, keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. And next in the show, we'll be looking at Linus Rare Earths, Goodman Group, Wham, Leaders, 5E, Advanced Materials and Cadence Capital. So let's get it back into that uh, resources space with Linus Rare Earths. Uh, Carl's saying, considering the geopolitical situation in China and the difficulty on the supply side, why does this thematic not see consistent price growth? Gorev. It, look, uh, I don't know where to begin with that. Um, I would suggest forget about the thematic, forget about the price, and focus on the business. You know, um, this is boring advice, and it's been written about for a hundred years, but it's enduring advice. You know, you're buying a piece of a business, and that's that's what you should be spending your time analysing. Um, the the best way I know of to lose money is to invest in a thematic. You know, if you've, if you've got some, some wily idea about how the future is going to play out and, and you invest on that basis, I, I don't even understand that. that, that is a, that's a terrible way to invest money. Um, the only sensible way that I know is to, is to pretend you're buying the whole business um, and, uh, and, and act on that basis. You know, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go out and buy a business because, um, you know, China is, at, is, is fighting America or something, would you? Um, Let's let's stick to uh, I think stick to business fundamentals um, and all the the ups and downs are, are just the the movements of the market um, and when you look at the fundamentals of the stock it's um, it's impressive this is a you know I think this has been too easily dismissed for too long um, we first took a, a close look at this when West Farmers made its bid all those years ago um, and that's when uh, my eyes really opened to what Linus was. I had actually completely ignored and discarded this because it had been close to bankruptcy for years. I think I looked at it once at about five cents and I thought it was going to go under. I did not think it would survive. 
and through good management and good luck, not only has it survived, it's actually now making half a billion dollars a year. Its $7 billion market cap is, is arguably cheap. But um, you have to consider where the, the prices are. Now, it, it makes um, rare earths, but the majority of the rare earths are what's known as NDPR, neoprosium and, and dinoprosium. I think I've got that right. That's essentially magnet material. These, these guys are the core ingredient for making big industrial magnets. And if you're making anything electric, you need, to, you need a magnet. Um, so this is, this, is, um, this is an important piece of, of mining tech. Um, and there's not very many, um, outside of China, there's not many um, deposits. And it's not because rare earths are rare, it's because the processing is a giant chemistry set which takes 10 years in, um, in science and approvals to figure out. So although a lot of capital is going into rare earth discovery and there's plenty of rare earth um, developers around and lots of deposits around the world, actually getting the chemistry right is the trickiest part. Mm. And the biggest advantage that these guys have is that they have a big hard rock operation and a chemistry process that is proven to work. I, I think this is still a winner. I, I'm going to go hold on this one, but again, this joins the watch list as, as um, one of the, there's only a, maybe a dozen, less than a dozen, 10 mining stocks, I think, that are worth owning on the market. And this, this is one of them, probably the latest edition. Um, this is a very high quality business, superbly run, and with really good prospects um, for expansion. Um, and it's because of the, the decade long slog that it went through in sorting out the chemistry process, which is really, really difficult. Um, go have a look at the flow, sh flow sheet um, uh, in this business and it's just, mm. it shows you the complexity involved and how difficult it is to replicate. So really good project, really well managed and, and minting money. I, I think the, the profits are probably too high at this point, the prices look too high. But, but certainly uh, watch this material, um, mm. certainly a hold okay. and, and uh, keep an eye on it. Nathan? Uh, look, it's good. Um, mm. It's in the, I think we got it in the investment committee. Uh, oh, do you have it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah We've okay. had it for a while. Right. Um, Grab's right. Um, I, I think I reverse the order. So I look at the business, if it's providing well and then the macro is good, then you're in for the run. Mm. And I think that works. Um, it is not rare when it comes to rare earth, but the processing is hard. It's tough and not many people do it. And there's political pressure on building it outside China. And they're getting a lot of help uh, in the US and in Australia. So they're going to do well. They're ahead of everyone else. And in, you know, there's no one else at, at their mature level. So you've got to back them. They're, they're the early players in this um, and they will continue to do well. Um, sure, the market is now not so sure how the prices will sit, but I think that's okay. It's, it's, it's really like, hard. This is not yeah. like copper or iron yeah, ore, exactly. it's, it's, those are relatively easy yeah. to see what's happening. And, and I think supply. you don't look at geopolitics and say that's the reason you buy a stock, mm -hmm. but that's just a free king. Sure. You buy it because it's a good business and it's in a pretty decent uh, valuation cycle and the macro is positive. If geopolitics gives you a kick, yeah, great. That's, that's how I look at it. And that's how, why we have it in the investment model portfolio and, I, and we like it. So for me, it's a buy. Okay. All right. That is Linus. All right. Need to get a kick along here. Uh, let's get into Goodman Group. Scott wanted to know about this in uh, property, of course. Uh, he wants the panel's view. He has a 10-year, multi-decade investment horizon, uh, asking, should I keep averaging over the next six months? Nathan? Uh, this is one of the listed private equity players, but in property. Mm. They are amazing at what they do. Mm. But look, all ships struggle when the tide goes out, and Goodman has that problem. Um, and I think, again, this is one you can be patient, <coughs> wait for the market to settle down. Once the central banks are finished with their hike cycle and market sentiment will bottom out, that's when you start to look at this one. 
Um, I'm a massive fan. Uh, I think the management's really good, and they, you know, everyone loves industrial property at the moment. Unfortunately, everyone does, and that's a fair amount. So the risk is that it underperforms. Um, so I'm not jumping in right now, but this is definitely one to the, for the shopping list. High quality business. When the market sentiment bottoms, you buy this one, Infotel, West Farmers, Macquarie, these are the listed private equity players. Mm. And you buy those, you know, Saul, Pattinson, those guys. They're going to be doing well over the next decade and a few. So if you're, if you're thinking long term, buy a bit now and then add to it over the next year. But I'm a bit more picky, so I'll wait. Yeah, well, but that answers uh, Scott's question about uh, averaging up, I guess. Gore. This is without doubt a fantastic quality business um, with a terrific founder in charge, wonderful assets. It was early in those assets. It's developed a real expertise in, in building these industrial properties. And this is not just a big box in the middle of nowhere. Industrial properties, there's a, there's a degree of expertise because everything has to be perfect. Um, they've got this property in Hong Kong, which is multi-level. They built it around a whole bit of, um, in, in the middle of the city, it's you know, it, it's a, it's, it takes a lot of skill to do that. Um, and one other thing they've got in, in their favor is that they've, they've licked out the best locations around the world. And industrial property is a strange thing because if you're in the right location, I mean, and the right location is something that's on a road corridor, close to um, uh, supply lines, close to logistics, your, your property's worth an awful lot. If you're even a little bit off the ideal um, location, your property is worth pretty much 90% less. It doesn't grade linearly, it, it, um, you know, it's all or nothing. Mm. And these guys have picked out really good locations. So they're, they're really well sorted that way. The difficulty with this business, interest rates has a huge impact on this. And you can see that from the historical profits where most of the profits of the last 10 years have actually come from interest rates going down, increasing the prices of their property, and then they actually earn fees on the value of the property. So they'd been earning real cash fees on elevated property prices from falling interest rates. It's, one, it's actually a rare example of that happening. Brickworks, for example, they've um, benefited notionally from lower interest rates because their property prices rise, but that just gets lost in the accounts and you don't actually get a real cash benefit. Here there's been genuine cash profits made from lower interest rates. And as that kicks into reverse, you're probably gonna see that um, negate. You know, you're probably going to see um, interest rates lower property values, and then they collect lower fees, mm. so less cash flow hitting their their accounts. Um, so I think there's real real headwinds for this company. Yeah. I think we've got higher interest rates for a long time. This is probably closer to a sell for me. Um, I, I think uh, this is well loved by the market, which I think is completely blind to these um, really important dynamics. Um, it's possible that um, higher rents and and I know this business, the management has told us, told everyone that this business is under rented. They can increase rents for a long time and mm. not lose a single customer. It's possible that the rent increase offsets the loss in the investment income, but the relative sizes of those divisions means that I think it's unlikely. Right. This is still a difficult investment choice. I'm gonna go sell, sell. but this is an awesome quality business. <coughs> and and okay. the viewer sort of said he's got a 10 year view. For a 10 year view, you know, you'd certainly hold. Yeah. Okay, um, all right. Uh, let's move along. Oh, right. <laughs> Next one, Wham Leaders. Oh, he's trying, to, he's trying to hustle us along. Yeah. Well, well, somebody has to. I know you guys <laughs> can talk. Someone's got to stop you. All right, uh, Peter wanted to know about uh, yeah, Wham Leaders. Uh, saying, I'm recently retired, looking for an income investment. Would appreciate the team's thought on Wham. 
uh, it uh, saying it appears to be a reasonable dividend and the chart looks pretty good. Gore. First of all, you don't, charts, if I, I no, I'm not gonna say anything about charts, but if you're sitting with a scientist and an astrologer, and the scientist says, yeah, there's all kind of ways to, to view the world and astrology is perfectly legitimate, and I think that scientist is doing a disservice. And um, I'll, make, I'll make the analogy for the, for the viewer to make, but, um, but let, let's focus on the, uh, forget about the chart and let's focus on the actual um, company. So, so Wham Leaders, it's, it's, it's a good product. Um, they invest in, I think the top 20, is it made? The top 50? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's at the, they only invest in the, in the, in the top few, uh, top half, of, top maybe two or three dozen um, companies on the ASX. And, mm. and they, are, they have a good track record. Um, the fees are, uh, like all kind of fundies of this size, are pretty high, I guess. And I would probably balk at paying 1% management fees plus a performance fee for buying a top 20 stock. I don't think there's a lot of skill involved in that. And um, for me personally, I, I wouldn't want to pay a management fee for investing in the, the biggest companies on the ASX. I'm not sure really what you're paying for. But having said that, their, their results are excellent. They pay a steady dividend. Um, um, there's no problem here. If you want to buy it, buy it. Um, it's a, it's, you know, you're not really looking at the past performance here. You're, you're really trying to understand the process of the fund manager and seeing if you align with it. I'm the point you to Solpats. Solpats, if you're after dividends, these guys don't charge a 1% fee mm. and uh, they pay fantastic dividends, have a history of paying dividends and management who uh, have invested alongside you and, um, and have been shown to be eminently sensible. I'd much rather have my money there. Okay, so is that a hold, essentially? That's, that's an up to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Your call. I, I wouldn't do it, but, but there's nothing wrong in doing it. Yeah, okay, all right. Mate. Andrew, you waved a red flag in front of him with the chart comment. <laughs> that wasn't me, that was Peter who asked about the chart. <laughs> no, but you know, no, it is I, the I psychology know, yeah. of yeah, the, the herd. Uh, look, I, I think, it's it's a they've done well because of the in the structure we are in there in the market. The large caps have done well. So mm. if you bought a top fifty um, ETF, it's done the same thing. Yeah, and you pay less fees. So technically, is there a massive stock picking? I don't think so. Um, I think the risk return for you here is um, you're betting on the manager to hold up with the large caps, which you can get with the ETF. So if that's what you so want, ETF yeah. is another good good yeah. example. So yeah. if if you want to, if you want that exposure, sure, that works fine. Yeah. I think you've got to be really careful because in the Aussie market, it's dominated by miners and banks. Mm. We in Australia, we pump property, or mm. we hope that China pumps commodities, mm. and we pump property as much as we can. Mm. And China is seeing slowing numbers, so the risk is this thing comes off. So what I would say is, if you're looking at the long term. Just stay on the sideline, give it six months, and you'll get a pretty good opportunity to get this at a discount, if that's what you want. Um, but I think when you're looking at yield investing, you've got to be really careful, because we're in an environment with rising interest rates and slowing growth. So a lot of yields will look good, yep. but they might not actually exist in the future. So you've got to be careful. Okay, all right, Peter, I hope that answers your question to a degree. Uh, let's get back into uh, resources, sort of the speaking end really, 5E advanced materials. Phil's saying the stock is volatile, NASDAQ dual listed, big on Boron and the EV play, yet why hasn't it done well? As it's lithium cousins, it's also got a potash play for fertilizer, where the prices are high as well, Nathan. Yeah, this is uh, peak uh, EV um, trend. So when, you know, they've got lots of pieces that they market, it's a explorer, loss making, 
this is not the stock for the current market. Um, and the EV thematic is rolling over, lithium is on the nose a bit. So a lot of those stocks, producing stocks are under pressure. So this doesn't actually produce. So in that context, it's a loss maker and it'll be remain under pressure. And you know they're gonna to have to keep raising. Um, there's gonna be more dilution likely to come. So there's that risk attached to it. So this is not a market where you're going into an explorer uh, when the producers are underperforming. So this is not a stock for me. Uh, I'm not jumping in. Uh, if you're there, geez, uh, you like pain. Um, and, <laughs> and you've had a bit. Uh, and I mean, this has come back 60% off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if you love the management and you think that they can turn it around, hold some of it. But yeah, I've learned from my mistakes of the past. When, when there's a concept stock, starts to roll over, yep. get out. Right. And you got to, you, this is the investment 101. When you have a concept stock where you don't have earnings, you got to put a level where what you're thinking is not what the market thinks. And if that happens, get out. You got to have a stop loss where you got to get out. Mm. And yeah, and when it's in a slide like this where market is not buying that thematic, even for the producers, this is not the time to pick the bottom. Right, okay, go I've never heard of this business. But, it's in the index. Um, I fell out of my chair when I saw the market cap. This is a, almost a $600 million market cap. I could not believe it. Um, and as you say, it's sort of, um, it's, it's a third of the, what it used to be. So at some point, someone was paying $1.5 billion for this company. Mm. Um, hey, you like Pilbara? Pilbara yeah. is bigger than Minres and IGA. Yeah, I think that says more about Minres than yeah. it does about Pilbara. But Pilbara also makes half a billion dollars a year, right? Yep. Uh, this makes about a million in revenue, um, and I think that's from the interest collected on its cash pile. Um, look, I don't know anything about boron mining. I've never looked at a boron mine. I don't know anything about the market. If you're invested in this, you better know something about boron. You better know everything about boron because that's what this is about. Um, this is, forget about the phosphate mining and lithium and everything. This is these guys have a boron um, development project, and I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to pretend I do. I'm not going to say anything more about it. But if you're holding this. The only reason you're holding this is because you know something about boron mining and you reckon that they've got some good stuff. Um, I couldn't say either way, NFI for me. Right, okay. Well, at least you're honest about that. Um, okay, let's wrap it up with Cadence Capital. Um, this, what, listed in December 06, uh, around $350 million of funds under management at the moment. Uh, so we're back in that space again. Gaurav, Cadence. Uh, yeah, look, my, my comments on WAM probably apply here that, that you've you got to find, if you're looking for a fund manager, you've got to find someone who, who, you, who accords with your style. It's, it's the style and the process of the fund manager you're buying, not necessarily what they're holding at that particular time. That will change. Um, and historical records tell you something, but, but as they say, um, it doesn't predict the future. So, um, I, look, I guess my problem with this one is, is again, the the charting these guys use a lot of charting in their process and they say it on their website um, and one of the examples they gave is that they sold Whitehaven when it started falling and then they bought it back when it started rising and if you look at the textbook way to lose money on the market it's to buy stocks high and sell them when they're low which is exactly what they're doing with this charting stuff so look if you if you if that process is fine with you then then who am I to tell you not to invest in this I will point out that the fees are a 1% and 20% performance fee, which um, in this day and age of, you know, 0.3% or 0.03%, um, their three basis point ETFs is, is rich. 
I'll say that. Um, again, I wouldn't do it, but um, you know, I've given you a few things to think about. It's up to you. Uh, look, um, similar Vam kind of tells you that's the large cap end. These guys mm -hmm. tend to play around. Um, for me, asset managers for the last year and a half have been sell sector. Has not changed. Because one thing you've got to remember about asset managers is... Um, this is the actual funder, not yeah, the manager. But, but the, it, yeah, but it affects through. And this is what the, the problem they're going to have is when people pull money out, mm -hmm. they have to sell their holdings and they hurt their own performance. And people never sell at the top. People always sell at the bottom. They pull money out after <laughs> the crash. And when ha that happens, you have our underperformance for fund managers actually goes even worse because mm -hmm. they have to sell and nobody else is going to be buying that. So this is where the risk is. The listed funds and fund manager stocks, the things you look at is outflows. When that stops and you start to see inflows, that's when you buy these stocks because that's when you're going to get, because they're going to go in and buy the same stocks and push it up. So the fund does better, they do better. Um, so for me, you're not buying a huge thing when you're buying asset managers in a market where we think there's a leg down. So, you know, you've got time. Which means? Uh, <laughs> Which means? Uh, for, for me, it's a sell. <laughs> okay. For me, it's a sell. It, it, all, right. all, all asset managers at the moment are a sell. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's uh, sum up the second half of the show. Linus, Rare Earths, uh, Gaurav saying, uh, uh, look, impressive fundamentals. He's, he's got a hold on it. Perhaps watching to buy. Nathan does have a buy on it at the moment. Uh, and it is in the uh, portfolio anyway. Um, Goodman Group. Uh, property, particularly as far as uh, industrial property is concerned. Um, Nathan's saying he's a, a big fan of management, but he's got a hold on it. It's on his shopping list. Um, and Gaurav, he's got a sell on it, uh, looking at those those headwinds that uh, that sector is facing at the moment. Wham leaders, uh, your call, says uh, Gaurav. Uh, he's got a couple of those. And um, Nathan's saying, if you can get in at a discount, um, then that's you go for it, but not really uh, in either their buckets at the moment. 5e advanced materials, well Nathan said has no idea, he'd never really even taken a look at it, uh, but amazed by uh, its... Uh, that was me. <laughs> yeah, that is value at the moment. Uh, Nathan, a, uh, yeah, a loss-making explorer, so it's a no also, in fact he'd say probably just get out at this point. And just finally their Cadence Capital. Uh, Gaurav saying the charting aspect of their business is a red flag. Um, he's not a believer. But your call, he says, and Nathan has a sell on it. All right. Well, so we've just introduced the no call call. Right? The no call call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, like I'm showing the no your responsibility call. whatsoever. It's <laughs> your call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very satisfying explanation for the viewers. But I'd love to pick up the mm. charting uh, criticisms that you have too. Uh, we should get you on with Carl Kaplan. <laughs> Momentum trading with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Gaurav, thanks to you from Intelligent Investor. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, mate. Have a nice holiday. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, have a great holiday. Yep. From Deep Dive Analytics. Uh, yeah. Enjoy your Christmas break. We'll see you again soon, of course. Now, any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, call at ausbiz.com, or you can tweet us at ausbiz.tv. Small Caps is next with Scuddick. Stay with us. <laughs>